Hello and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters, a podcast discussing everything Star Wars 5e. My name is Todd, I've got Tegan here, and we're looking forward to jumping into hyperspace with you. Let's go! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters Podcast, Season 4, Episode 3. Tegan, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I found an old Star Wars YouTube video uh, based off the Someone I Used to Know video, uh, and I was just got cracked up about it. So uh, if you haven't watched it, go find it. Uh, it's the, I forgot who produced it, but it's hilarious. Uh, it's definitely good for a good laugh. Very nice, and apologies for everyone that is going to have that song stuck in their head now. <laughs> good one, though. Welcome everyone to today's episode. Uh, we are doing our Ask DJM episode of the quarter here. We have a few questions from you, the community, and we're going to go over that stuff. Just, you know, random questions that have come up at your tables and whatnot. So um, just a reminder that if you would like to submit uh, questions, comments, uh, you know, get our input on a situation at your table, you can do so. There will be a link to uh, those the form for that in the show notes, of course. Um, so yeah, we look forward to having a quick discussion on some of your questions today. On the front end, of course, be sure to check us out dungeonjedimasters.com for access to all of our content, this podcast, uh, YouTube channel for VODs of actual plays and tutorial videos, uh, Instagram and Twitter where there's updates on content and uh, some freebie content on Instagram specifically, such as plot hooks, items, etc. Uh, and all this quarter, all those things will relate in, uh, slightly to our our quarterly adventure space, which is the Cityscape Hex Crawl this quarter. So be sure to check that stuff out to add a little more there. Uh, then, of course, there's also Twitch, uh, where Tegan's doing actual plays there. Uh, Tegan, tell us what you got on the agenda for tonight. Yeah, definitely. So join us tonight uh, for Star Wars 5e Tuesdays. We're going to be running uh, Stranded. So this is uh, Keith's adventure. Uh, we actually had a pretty crazy session last time. Uh, so we kind of started to unravel a few of the mysteries with what's going on with hyperspace and how we got stranded on the planet. So come through, hang out, and kind of see what's uh, next for the group. Uh, definitely make sure to hit us up next, uh, Tuesday after for Invasion. Uh, we are uh, getting close to uh, finishing up uh, the Patreon versions of that adventure. So uh, make sure to come through and see how that's played as well. Uh, you can see them both uh, either 6.30 or 7 p.m. Eastern time uh, on my Twitch channel, Tegan J Gaming. So come through, follow, and uh, hang out with the crew. Absolutely. Always a good time over there. And then lastly, our last bit of content is that Patreon, the best way to support what we do here with Dungeon Jedi Masters. And of course, that support comes along with some exclusive content we'll touch on in a second. But first, some new patrons to shout out. Uh, so at tier one, we have Ben with a yearly, uh, taking advantage of the yearly discount there, and Eric. Uh, Tegan, tell us about our tier two members. Definitely with tier two, we've got Chuck. Uh, and then big shout outs to uh, Shugad and Chris, uh, who took uh, advantage of our annual subscription. Uh, and then finally, we've got um, uh, Aki Productions or Aki Productions. All right. A great group there. And then we do have one tier three member, Tracy. So thank you to all of you uh, that are new subscribers. Hope you're enjoying the content and thank you for the support. And of course, all of our existing Patreons, we really appreciate it. 
it's just awesome to see, you know, that community support and everything. And, uh, you know, we like to obviously give something back to you for that support. And today for tier two, uh, you'll have access to our latest Patreon module, uh, the tunnel run adventure. So tier three has already seen this, but set in our cityscape locale, uh, there is a group, uh, running some black market items, cargo, whatever you want to make that be between the city and you are tasked with intercepting that, putting a stop to that. A uh, fun little kind of progression tunnel uh, adventure there. So grab that, dive in and uh, see how you can add that to your existing cityscape adventures available now for all tier two uh, and three members on the Patreon. Definitely. And if you haven't yet, we haven't decided what our community Patreon adventure is going to be in the cityscape. So go through uh, and make sure to fill out the survey, include some of the questions, but make sure to throw in a cool prop for us too. We'll be picking that in the next week or so. So we'll want to make sure we have all the good options in there. Absolutely. And again, in the show notes of this episode will be the link to that. Uh, all those things are on the same form. So submissions for the community Patreon adventure. Uh, we do have the uh, one shot episode that we're going to be doing next month. So still taking submissions for that. Ortega and I will recreate a one shot uh, live on the episode. And then lastly, as we already mentioned, um, further questions for an episode like today, ask DJM. And I think with that, we can transition into that. Uh, so Tegan, we got a few good questions here uh, for our first round of Ask DJM. Uh, so diving right into it, uh, this is a good one here. I think uh, I've seen this one come up a lot. How do you deal with inventory in Star Wars 5e since there is no bag of holding? Of course, that element in traditional 5e, you know, the, the magic element where bag of holding, you can put an entire city block in a small little bag and take it with you and, and you're good to go. So um, we've seen this come up a lot. Uh, what have you done in your experience, Tegan, or what have you seen others do for that? Well, I think the biggest thing in most Star Wars 5e games that will take the place of your bag of holding uh, is your ship. Because uh, your ship, uh, it's, it's you usually have a ship in Star Wars 5e, even if you don't run the starship rules, uh, you can fill it up to the brim pretty much. Uh, so I think that's usually kind of the best way to replace it. Uh, it's not always available like a bag of holding, but that can make some fun moments for the story too, uh, depending on kind of how that comes up uh, with uh, whatever they need from the ship. Absolutely. Yep. Definitely one of the big suggestions I've seen as well and utilized as well. I think too, just a little aside there, touching on that aspect of having a ship um, outside of the starship rules. Um, you know, I think often a ship can kind of become a home base as well. You know, it, it moves about obviously, but this is Star Wars. So you're moving about the galaxy. It makes sense. You don't have to dive into you know, the full set of Star Wars, starship rules and still have a ship. You can just have one. So yeah, that's definitely a great way to do that. I think another aspect of the question is inventory management, you know, and, and making sure that you're only having what you need um, and, and all that stuff. So that's another uh, uh, element of it. And I think it creates another element of the game that can be fun and create a, you know, maybe a little more realistic experience because you, because you can't be carrying all that gear at once. 100%. I usually don't run the uh, the full encumbrance rules with my live games, uh, but I have the kind of the reasonable rule. Uh, if you think you could reasonably carry it with you and make use of it, go ahead. Uh, but if I see that you're carrying like three rams, 20 guns and all that, we're going to have a conversation, maybe have to go to more strict encumbrance rules. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, there's also, you know, there's nothing that says you can't make something up, you know, maybe you have a engineer or a tinker or somebody that creates some new technology that can, 
basically work as a bag of holding. That is the other thing. So if you are the DM asking this question, it's your game, your table, you can, you know, maybe come up with something like that. Maybe a special uh, holocron of holding. Uh, and don't forget about hirelings or droids too. You could pay somebody just to lug around your gear if you need them to. Yeah, loader droid that just uh, gears stuff around. Absolutely. All right. So thank you for that question. I uh, appreciate it. Uh, great one there. hope that helps. All right. Uh, next up, someone is asking for an explanation on the damage reduction rule, uh, variant rule, and how to calculate it with AC. Definitely a good question here because it's, it's a very cool rule uh, that you can add in. Um, but yes, I, I can understand how there's maybe some difficulties with that. Uh, Tegan, can you help us with that one? This is a fun one. I haven't run it for Star Wars 5e, but my D&D uh, &D game uh, that's coming to an end, actually, uh, which is a homebrew mess of Star Wars 5e and D&D concepts, uh, makes use of it. It's a lot of fun, and it makes sense to me, uh, especially because like, uh, if you've got big armor, you're most likely going to be able to tank a hit better than just completely avoiding it. Uh, and this kind of adds a little bit of verisimilitude to that. Uh, so couple big things with this. It changes your whole way that AC is calculated. Uh, so at base level, uh, with uh, no armor at all, um, your AC bonus is going to be your uh, 8 plus your proficiency plus dexterity. So if you're a level 5 creature with 3 dexterity modifier, uh, you would be at AC 14 because 3 was your proficiency plus your 3 dex modifier plus 8. Uh, so it's a little bit of a changing calculation on that. And one of the big things that players have to get used to, and I've had to always remind my crew as we leveled up in my D&D &D game, once you get a new proficiency bonus, go in and change your AC, because no matter what, it's going to be going up. Um, the big thing with this, though, is armor is going to be not adding to your AC. It's going to be giving you a level of damage reduction. Um, so let's pick on one. Uh, fiber armor, for instance. It's light armor. Uh, gives you a plus two uh, to your dexterity, or a plus two to your AC. Uh, that Rather than adding that plus two to your AC with this variant, it's going to give you a damage reduction of two. So if somebody shot you for six damage, uh, you'd minus that six by two and leaving you with four. Big thing to remember, though, it's only for attack and power rolls, though. So if anything that makes you do a saving throw, you don't typically apply your damage reduction unless sometimes your GM can, if it just makes sense to apply it, they can, but the rule states it shouldn't be applied. Uh, so cool thing, though, with heavy armor is you can get really tanky because uh, with, what's that, uh, full plate, not full plate, uh, Power armor, which is the equivalent of full plate in the system, uh, gives you a eight damage reduction. So uh, eight minus everything is pretty pretty tanky on that side, uh, especially uh, one of my players in my D&D &D game was a barbarian, so berserker here. So he'd rage, the damage reduction, and he just barely got hurt unless it was like massive damage. So pretty cool on that side. Dexterity players are the same as usual. If they didn't wear armor, they'd still have about the same, or actually a little bit more with proficiency added in. Uh, so they're unchanged, and shields still add plus two to your uh, AC. They're unchanged as well. Very cool. Yeah, a lot of cool, uh, a cool addition to that. Tegan, how uh, can you expand on how that impacts the feel, the play of the game? You know, is there any um, significant impact, maybe from a DM side or overall, on um, how you manage that differently? Does it scale well through all the levels? Um, any impact there? Well, it it scales pretty well until tier high tier two uh tier three ish uh then you sometimes you have to make a few tweaks as a dm one of the biggest things i recommend and i don't think star wars 5e has a ton of these um but the um marshals are going to be a little bit easier to hit because they have a lower ac with this uh tweak some of like the hit in this effect happens automatically things like some of like the grabs and things like that because if 
eventually uh, your monster's hit bonus is going to be like more than the person's AC, so that let's say that one they won't miss. Uh, so just kind of tweaking a few of those, just uh, maybe either make a save or something additional with it, so the marshals don't feel like they're just always getting hit and stuck uh, with different things. Um, sometimes you may need to increase monsters' damage a little bit, uh, just to make sure that they're competing with uh, the damage reduction. Uh, and the only thing, it's it's pretty quick to switch on monsters too. Uh, so monsters, the easiest way to do it uh, is to take a look at kind of like what their AC is. Typically, if you want to do a quick and dirty, uh, just uh, minus 10, add the proficiency, uh, and you're good to go. Uh, but uh, you could usually just kind of go through and use the same calculation uh, that the PCs did uh, and kind of make it pretty easy for yourself. So just kind of take a quick look at it, see where you want them to have it, uh, and then just make sure it's fair and consistent. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, one last thing on that, uh, between the two, how would you, would you say, um, what would be your th reasoning on going one with the other? Is it just offer a different piece of flavor? Do you think that using the variant rule provides more, uh, does it provide more reduction in damage, incoming damage versus, you know, traditional AC or just really more of a flavor thing between the two? So I like the flavor of it because yeah, your big tanky marshal is not going to be kind of dodging out of the blaster bolts way. Uh, I so in, in, we actually had a conversation with my players on this. So a lot of my players like it. Uh, the marshals in particular because they can just kind of tank and tank and tank. Because uh, after a while, the monsters are going to hit either way, even if you don't do the very AC variant rule. Uh, with Star Wars, it'd probably be a little different, uh, but I think it would still work well. Uh, it's basically if you just want to give uh, your make your tankier players feel a little bit more like just solid tanks. Let, run with this, give it a go. Uh, it does take a little bit extra work on the DMs rule for like uh, using monsters and all of that. So. We'll Will add more to your plate so that's definitely a consideration um but i just really like the flavor of it i thought that was kind of a, a cool way to bring that into the world awesome great yeah good stuff so yeah one of many great variant rules in the system so hopefully to uh the individual that asked that question that helps explain that and uh anyone else that had a question on that you know maybe consider using that in your game all right. Uh, next one here. This is a great question that came in. Essentially, uh, they had someone take over a character for somebody else. Um, but the question essentially is, what do you do with players who don't invest time into their character or understanding the abilities? Um, I think, you know, especially with this situation, I think it said, you know, they took over a player, uh, took over a character. So like, that's not their character. That's right out the gate is what I see in this is, is it's not their own. So, you know, we all want to play something that we want to play. And so that's a big part of that. And I think um, it's a, a lot of it's a conversation, really. It starts with the conversation of going to that player and saying, hey, you know, just are you having trouble understanding the character, understanding the abilities? What can I do to help you understand that? Or is it just a matter of, you know, you don't enjoy this specific aspect? What can we do to change that? Tegan, what would your thoughts be on that situation? Yeah, definitely. So I've got two thoughts on this one. So one in the situation at hand, I mean, I would kind of yeah, go to them, have a conversation, see, because uh, sometimes, especially with the new player, very new to like tabletops in general, uh, my guess is the reason they took over a PC versus building their own is they were probably a little bit hesitant to try to build their own PC for the campaign. Um, so I may go to them, see if they want to try out their own PC or maybe even have you like kind of guided conversation and build a PC together. So at least they have their own creation in there uh, and just kind of see how that flows. If it helps a little bit better, if they're a little bit more invested with it being kind of their thoughts behind the PC. 
but also when it comes to just the base question of players not investing into like learning the rules and things like that, um, I definitely think that one's a conversation too. But uh, after a while, like I think like after four, three or four sessions, like you should have like a decent handle on your PC uh, and it's kind of see if they, they want to be a part of the game, or if there's anything you do to help them learn. Uh, but I think that's one of the few things the players can do to really kind of show that they're putting time into the game as well uh, and kind of take some time and learn their PC, learn how their abilities work. Because uh, especially kind of comparing like the, the commitment to being a GM versus a player, I think learning your PC is like one of the least things you can do to just be like a, a decent player. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there, there's definitely a lot there and, and, you know, everyone may have their re- different reasonings, you know, there could be some difficulties in just, uh, you know, learning and, and things like that. And if you have a challenge or struggle with that, or as a DM, you know, it's all about presenting that trust to those players. So they feel comfortable sharing the reasonings, whatever they are for not doing what you want them to do. Um, you know, and just be open and helpful for that to help players get in because there's obviously there's a source of tension at the table. Um, you know, tension might be a strong word, but just the fact that you want them to do something, they're not doing it. You need to figure out why I'll, there's one little other thing that I pull, you know, I'm kind of interpreting out of this question though, is that the DM is trying to get something out of this situation, right? The DM is a player too, and they want, you know, this player to really get involved in the backstory. So again, conversation and, you know, you as a DM, uh, you can also, uh, present that to the table. Say, hey, players, I really enjoy when we dive into that story, into that backstory aspects. Um, you know, so that's kind of the game that I want to present as well. Is that good? Make sure we're all on the same page and and uh, yeah, then you'll have a good time. So yeah, good stuff there. Great question there. I hope that helped. And for anyone else that has a similar situation, communication is the name of the game. I know we say that uh, quite a bit. So all right, we have one last question for today's episode here. Uh, this is a good one. I think there's a lot, uh, even additional conversation to have on this. Uh, but what is the idea on passive income? Uh, treat it like downtime job and roll for money or wait a certain interval and just give a set amount? Um, Tegan, I don't believe there's any specific passive income rules. Is there? I know. So I know there's downtime rules, but that's still pretty active, like you're going and doing something. Well, it depends uh, on kind of what the income is coming from. Like this question, I think was like a kind of a service worker type piece. Uh, And there are kind of rules for that. If you go to the equipment section, chapter five in the book, uh, and go to the services section, it gives you different rates for hirelings. So you could say, depending on what type of person you've like working with or where that passive income is coming from, uh, you can either be a skilled hireling, which gives you 20 credits per day, untrained, which is two credits per day. uh, And I think messengers, which is like a certain distance per, or a certain credit amount per how longer time it takes for them to deliver the message. So you could utilize that uh, depending on kind of how they acquired this one. I think for the question they uh, they had, the person asked in the Discord, this would probably be the fairest way to do it because it seemed like they'd probably be a trained or skilled uh, craftsperson and kind of in a, in a way, manner of sense for it. Uh, so I think that would work well for them. What would be the frequency then on that? What, uh, well, how would you utilize the frequency? It depends kind of where the players are at. If they're yeah. already, if they're kind of always by this person, I would just say add 20 credits a day whenever you see them. Uh, otherwise, I would probably do it like every week or so uh, and just have like a windfall of cash for them. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, that that's something I just wasn't even uh, really aware of. I, you know, I, read the PHB, everyone. That's that's the uh, takeaway there. Um, so very cool. Tacking onto this though, Tegan, income, earnings in general. Let's have a quick conversation on that and how you manage that because I think sometimes, you know, I struggle with that with like how much do you reward players? Oftentimes you get later on where players are just hoarding money because they can't spend it fast enough. Is that meaningful? Would it be better just to give them items, ship upgrades, et cetera? What's kind of your uh, mindset on that? Definitely. The academy of like D&D and like tabletops games, like always like the hardest spot. Uh, nice thing with Star Wars 5B is there's more to spend money on, especially if you use Starship stuff. Uh, so uh, if you really want them to burn money, give them Starship stuff without giving them a lot of free mods. And then that can really eat away at player savings. But it's always kind of a, hard to find a good balance. One of my favorite things, and you can use this for uh, Star Wars 5e2. I struggled with this for years until I kind of did a good read of the DMG. Uh, they have like a reward by level table, which uh, if you just add times it by 10, it works for Star Wars because silver is uh silver is credits pretty much so uh it gives it to you in gold for the the table but just times that by 10 if you've got it in credits uh so i utilize that um for any of my adventures i'm giving out something just to see kind of okay so that's their level uh this was such and such difficulty here's what they should get uh and that one's pretty balanced and if you're doing starships they'll add a lot more because starships are expensive or just give them free mods uh, one of the hard things, and I don't really have a good answer for this, is going to have to kind of eyeball it, is passive income where they bought like a real like business business. Um, that's just going to have to be kind of your best judgment. One thing I, I think could work for it is uh, times in, like if they have employees or like in that, just times in the amount they get by trained employees could be fair to do too. Uh, but that's especially kind of how much they invested or how they acquired it. Be, you have to kind of balance and probably kind of have a few questions or conversations with the crew too to see where they reasonably expect it to be. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, another part of that conversation, what what is their goal? What is their, you know, why do they want to have this business? Why, why do they want this income? You know, I think, uh, I think initially a lot of it is, you know, we want to be able to buy healing items. We want to buy weapons and things like that. Um, you know, so is that enough to help you dictate the type of game they want? Um, and so you just, is it just straight up? Okay, here's some credits, you know, as a reward for doing jobs to do that stuff. Or can you find different ways to present that in game and rewards, you know, they, if they go through a Jedi temple and they find items or whatever, um, you know, what's the different ways you can do that? Definitely. So, yeah, I think, as you said, economy is definitely a, a difficult aspect, can be a difficult aspect. Uh, if anyone out there has other ideas on how you manage uh, income and, and economy, we'd love to hear about that to share with uh, other fellow DMs uh, and whatnot across the galaxy. So great question there. Hope that helps. And hey, I learned something new myself, too. So there's passive income options. Awesome. All right. Uh, I think that's everything for our questions today. Uh, thank you to everyone who submitted. If you have a question yourself, uh, be sure to check out the link in the show notes uh, so you can do so. So ask us some other questions. Also, if you have situations at your table as well, not just a question on the rules or mechanics, but, uh, you know, hey, uh, the players went up against this monster and this happened. How would you do that? That would be uh, awesome to hear as well. We'd love to kind of just workshop, you know, maybe some alternatives to that. Um, so, yeah, definitely things like that are appropriate. So look forward to that on the next one. Uh, next episode, uh, hopefully we're going to see, so we've had also had a question recently about, um, maps. We see this a lot. A lot of people ask, how do you make your maps? What software do you use, et cetera? Uh, so we're going to see if we can reach out to somebody that 
does some map making themselves as well as for our next DM spotlight and have a conversation on that and help uh, those DMs out there who are trying to put some of that stuff together because that's always fun. Deegan, I know uh, you do a lot of your own map making as well. And, you know, it's definitely uh, even myself as a graphic designer, it's map making is probably one of the least favorite because it's just so time consuming. It's, it's my least favorite, especially because uh, usually I try to just find a map that works well. Uh, but there's some moments, you know, you just want to make sure it's custom. Uh, I'll be honest, I think I've said it before. It's my least favorite part of the year because when I actually decide to make my own map, I have I know exactly how I want it to look. And I waste, not waste, but I spend more time on it than I usually would like to. Uh, but once you get a good map in there or get a good, um, get some of the cool resources, you can really kind of make it and make it look like you want to and have a good moment for your crew when they get to whatever battlefield they're going to be on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then we'll probably likely talk about this more that episode, but you know, I think also less is more, you know, once we get to it. Uh, yeah. So keep an eye out and ear out for that next episode. Patreons, if you haven't yet, make sure you've checked out our latest adventure out today, the tunnel run uh, adventure for tier two and tier three members. Thank you again for all your support there. Uh, and with that, we'll see you all on the next one. May the force be with you. May the force be with you.